0: Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. A salty, slightly cynical conversation about epilepsy, neurological disorders, and occasional random tangents. Together, we explore the synaptic jolts that short-circuit one's world and the mental and emotional fallout that comes from them. And if that sounds heavy, don't worry. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And now, seizure salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah B. Side. You don't remember how the hell you ended up You don't remember whether you were your Hello, hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, d- hey. Good morning, depending on where you are in the world. How you doing? It's Micah B-side, your host, Electrostatic Meat Sack and Lab Rat. I'm with a familiar voice for many of you who've uh, listened to this podcast for a little while, at least for the last year. I'm with Heather Hutchison, award-winning singer, songwriter, and acclaimed author as well. She's a Renaissance woman, I should say. (laughs) How are you doing today, Heather?
1: Awesome. How are you?
0: I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Now that the snow's over, we were planning on doing this yesterday, but uh the blizzard just it it knocked out any chance of getting a stable internet connection here in in the Nether regions of the Colorado <laughs> foothills. Um so I'm I'm blessed that we have clear skies today and it should be a better connection. So I'm I'm happy. I'm so happy. No, it's a beautiful day. How are things uh looking up there in the San Juan? Uh, no, not San Juan. It's Vancouver Island, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's yes. super sunny. It's It's been kind of cold. Probably not like for you guys, but the rest of Canada laughs at us because it's like minus two degrees Celsius here and we're dying.
0: Oh my God. That I doesn't know. happen very often up there, does it?
1: No, no, not really. We had like a bunch of snow earlier in January and the whole place shuts down like nobody knows what to do
0: (laughs) yeah we're we're used to snow over here well in the mountains we're used to snow I've learned in the uh, couple of years that I've been back down to the front range to the city in uh, in Denver and in the front range metro area I've learned that there's so many new people that have moved to Colorado that they're closing snow days on snowfall amounts that we would never, ever have closed school on when (laughs) I was growing up. It's like, yeah, it's shut down central. People are sliding off the road everywhere, not knowing what to do. Um, Yeah, I I hear you there. That's hilarious.
1: I grew up in Edmonton, so it was like the same thing. You know, nothing shut us down, but so... We kind of like laugh at the people here a little bit.
0: Yeah, you gotta a little bit of a chuckle, not yep. in front of them. Not, no, of not. course
1: not. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Maybe when they turn away. <laughs> yeah, a heartfelt chuckle. You know, oh, oh good for poor. the soul. Good. For, it is. It's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. Well, there is a reason why um, I asked you back. Number one, you are just a pleasure to talk with that's that's mainly the main reason i love Aww. talking with you
1: <laughs> same with you
0: thank you thank you but the main reason i wanted to uh, invite you back is because i made a promise and i told you that when you had released some new music i wanted to come back on and talk about it and you released some new music you released an ep january 28th correct
1: yes Awesome.
0: What's the name of it?
1: It's called If I Could.
0: If I Could. I I knew that I just wanted you to say <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: there was like a second there where like I kind of forgot and I was like, "Oh shit, what is it called?"
0: <laughs> it's like, "Wow, well that's okay. That that's like you you did it, you released it and and it's out there. It means like you're not you're not trying to own it too much. Well, you own it but you know you're not like so attached to it that it's like oh yeah what what what's its name again that's yeah. kind of a yeah it's a healthy it's kind of a healthy detachment
1: yeah maybe i think like cuz it's been so long since albums that i'm so used to saying that my last one was where the ocean meets the sand so like i think i was almost like automatically going to say that and then i was like wait a sec <laughs>
0: Right, because that's what that's the last album um, we were talking about last time you were on. Yes. So, and that was the 2015 release, Where the Ocean Meets the Sand. And I'm actually looking on your music website right now. Um, if anyone wants to check it out, it's heather hutcheson.com. And that'll take you to her homepage and you can check out her book. You can look at her various albums, her music, uh, wherever you want to go. I'm on the music side of it right now. And, uh, what I find really interesting, and I'd like to touch on this a little bit, and then we'll get into some of the songs is the, uh, feeling of the album cover. We touched on this a little bit and should I tell them, I think I should admit
1: i was wondering i was like oh we're gonna like repeat ourselves and and not say anything and it's gonna be like really funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i might even i might release that last one um as kind of a psychedelic archive release or something (laughs) because well yeah because really the best way to listen to that one would be if you were on psychedelics or maybe really 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 high on cannabis i don't know i'm not advocating that? <laughs>
1: of course not. No,
0: but no. I'm just saying. Um, okay. So here's the admission that Heather and I are talking about. Um, last week, Heather and I got together and we just, oh God, it was such a great interview. I'm not even going to say interview. It was a great conversation. We just had a great time. And um, the session was through a platform, which shall not be named <laughs> Um, But there was some really weird oddball sounds that came through and an echo, not on, not on her voice, but just on mine. And I did everything I could to check my sound levels and my settings and my, my signal path. And there was nothing. it, It wasn't me. It wasn't on her end. It was something happening within the platform. And I had this echo, like, what was it, about two or three little, hello, 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 which is, by the way, the name of her first album from 2005. Okay, quick shameless plug there for you. Um, So so I got into it, and I started trying to minimize or remove that echo, and I was doing everything I could post-production, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without making the whole thing sound awful. And the rest of the, I mean, aside from that echo, everything else sounded great. (coughs) So I decided I'm going to archive that one. And like I said, if I feel really, really mischievous, you might just be hearing it down the road here on an archive. So that said, we had a great conversation and the recording, the technical side of the recording was just whacked. And so we're going to try again. Now now here's the hard part about this, Heather. There's no way we're going to we're going to relive the spontaneity.
1: I know. I was thinking about that.
0: Right. So so we're like on the like we're under the gun. We're like under the microscope. <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like I'm under the spotlight to try and make it as as what do they say as Im, impromptu? As the last one, yes, yeah. Just
1: act really surprised about everything.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. There's no way I'm going to be able to act as (laughs) as naturally surprised as I was. So let's just shake that off for a second. I'm going to shake off that expectation. Crack my neck a little bit here, and uh, we'll just go for it. I'm gonna. um, We'll just go for it. So this is a kind of repeat, but we're going to try not to repeat this, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, so um, let's get right into the album cover. And see, we already mixed it up because we didn't talk about this until halfway through the conversation last time, right?
1: True. True.
0: Yeah. so so if we mix it up a little bit, maybe we could uh, maybe we could just go off track and that way we'll get on a new track.
1: Yeah, so. and I mean, like I'm pretty old, so I probably don't remember everything we talked about in the last conversation, <laughs> anyway. So it'll it some of it'll be new.
0: <laughs> some of it'll be new. There you go. And you know, my short term memory is pretty jacked up with the seizure medications, and I did have a, a breakthrough uh, between the time you and I talked last. So, oh really? Uh, my mem- awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. We. Um, <laughs> it's okay though. I'm, I'm am i I'm feeling better today. So that's that's what's important. Um, oh, like
1: a bad breakthrough.
0: No, 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 no. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't physically damaging type breakthrough. It was oh, just, okay. a, yeah, it was a mental mind fuck. It was just one of those.
1: So oh, okay. I thought you meant like, like a, like wow, I just had a breakthrough and everything's oh, clear now.
0: Oh, well, that would be very welcome. I would love one of those type of breakthroughs.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I get what 'cause because you sounded like a little disappointed and I was like, oh, 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 I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When, in the epilepsy community, when they had, when they say breakthrough, um, that means something entirely different than. (laughs)
1: Okay. So I probably just sounded really insensitive. (laughs) God damn
0: it. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I don't, it's hard to, it's hard to make me, um, offended.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. Um okay, so for those who don't know, Heather is um well, as I mentioned in the introduction, she is a singer-songwriter. You've been doing it all your life more or less, right? When when's the yeah. first time you picked up an instrument?
1: Um Good question. I mean, I used to like walk around with a Fisher Price tape recorder, like from the time I could walk. You know, one of those ones, like with the microphone. And they're super heavy and stuff. And I'd just be like singing and making up songs and stuff, and sitting down at the piano and kind of learning by ear what I heard on the radio and things. I was like a terrible music student because they would always try to get me to play like what was in the books, and I just wanted to play what I wanted to play. So I don't know that there was like really a a moment in time when I picked it up like I just
0: it was there
1: yeah it's been a part of me as long as I can remember
0: right on that's that's really really cool so it just it was always a part of you as long as you can remember I love how you said that that is really cool is there anything um what was the instrument that really really brought home to you like like this is definitely what I'm gonna do for was it was it the piano or was it something else
1: I think for me it was it was the voice we'll we'll say that's an instrument cuz cuz it is it, everybody amen. makes like singer jokes but it, it's an instrument um so the piano for me has always kind of been a vehicle to express my voice because you know I had to like accompany myself when I was singing and writing my songs and things like that so I've always kind of seen it as like the vehicle to my true instrument
0: nice nice that's really cool that's really cool um yeah I did the I did the piano lessons I got pretty good yeah um I did uh I started playing guitar a little bit in junior high and um I, I've picked up various instruments after that I actually play a little pian- uh, banjo oh, cool. start, yeah yeah after I well, there's a story. I was I was a bad boy. I I was in jail, and I told myself when I get out of jail, I want to learn how to play the banjo. If if I get out of jail, and <laughs> the
1: banjo that's so random.
0: I know, I know. Well, it there was a, I, I was a I was one of those punk rock skate punk kids that loved really fast punk rock like Dead Kennedys and and stuff yeah. like that. Dri and um, but I loved acu- acoustic music too. Yeah, and I thought thought to myself wow the banjo man they're picking that thing so fast and at the same time they're they're creating these really cool intricate melodies within the overall melodies um and song and i think that's just really really cool i want to do that yeah and so that's that's kind of why i chose to try that out
1: well that's cool you you wanted to and you did you yeah. followed through
0: yeah um for a while, and then I put it aside. <laughs> Parenthood came on, life came on. And I, I'm i unfortunately, and this is one of the things I respect about uh, you and other musicians um, that have stuck. You've stuck with it, and and you, yeah, the passion carried through the um, distractions. I was one of yeah. those guys who was like, yeah, squirrel. And <laughs> I, yeah, I, maybe it was the absent seizures. Maybe it was because I have had epilepsy my whole life, didn't know it. Um, and I just, maybe that's one of the reasons that, and it wasn't just music, it wasn't just instruments. That's a hell of a lot in my life. I've had a hard time keeping a focus and an attention to long enough to become a master at yeah.
1: it. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it definitely takes, you know, a good amount of time to get good at something.
0: Exactly. Exactly, um, my banjo got destroyed in a rollover accident.
1: Oh no! And,
0: yeah, actually, I've gone through three different banjos. One I broke in Kentucky um, at my old college roommate's uh, house in his driveway after a <sighs> caving trip because we were getting out, and I slipped on on the moss oh, in his no. driveway, and yeah, it just shot up in the air, came down, and just boom, broke. <laughs> Um, it's so fix- sad. <laughs> I know. I, oh, God, I was in tears. Um, I tried to fix it. And it didn't work that great. And then uh, for, a, um, for a birthday present, he sent me out about five or six years later. He actually sent me a banjo straight from the Fender Factory. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I got back into it and started playing. And um, we actually did a uh, Halloween concert at this local bar in glenwood with this band that was like a regular band there and they approached me and they were like hey man remember that idea you had about doing a johnny cash cover band yeah that plays just johnny cash songs or songs that johnny cash has covered and and i wanted to call it strapped for cash
1: <laughs> that's awesome
0: yeah so so one halloween they were playing it was their regular gig but since it was halloween they approached me and said, let's do that idea. And so That's we practiced. So yeah. We practiced a whole bunch of tunes and, and got in there and we all dressed up in black and slicked back our hair. And, <laughs> and yeah, man, it was great. And of course, with my voice, I could do a lot of the Johnny Cash songs really well, you know?
1: Yeah. He, I can imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's that baritone and, yes. and oh yeah, big river. That was one of my favorites. And uh boy named Sue, I killed that. <laughs>
1: It's awesome.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, and I've got a new one. That one, that one that my roommate, old college roommate sent me, that's the one that got destroyed in the rollover accident on Vail Pass in Colorado. And, wow. oh God, yeah. Flew out the back of the truck, hit a big old boulder and literally smashed. The only thing left of it was the metal ring. And wow. um, yeah.
1: So you have and terrible luck with banjos is what you're a- saying.
0: A- I have absolutely terrible luck with banjos. My third banjo was a just this antique that we—I don't even know the name of it—heavier than hell, and it was my um, my my mechanic has this gigantic um, garage, and there's the second level that you would uh, reach by stairs, and there's like old jukeboxes and radios and old old gas pumps, like all these antiques up there, and he was. Cl- Cleaning all this stuff out, and he came across a reel-to-reel. He gave me a reel-to-reel, which I was like, yes. Cool. And he found this antique banjo, and he gave it to me because he knew I was bummed that my old one got destroyed. So I got that, and we I went oh, to the no. music. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Get ready for this. Went to the music store, got it kind of refurbished uh, to a point where I could tune it up and start playing it. And then my best friend sat on it one oh day, my God. broke the neck. Um, Yeah. And then then the epilepsy hit, hit like the breakthrough, the negative term. Yes, now
1: I've, I've learned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I couldn't live alone anymore. And so I had to come from Glenwood down to the Front Range for treatment. And I was staying at my dear friend's house in Arvada, which is one of the um, suburbs of, of the Denver metro area and his next door neighbor actually specializes in refurbishing antique string instruments. And then he gives them away to kids at needs Aww, at need, and he teaches that. them how to play.
1: That's so cool.
0: Yeah. And I, we gave him this antique banjo and was like, I don't know if you can even fix this man. Um, but here you go. And we thought, I thought, He was going to fix it and then, you know, pay it forward to some kid in need and teach him how to play. Uh, But apparently either, either he really, really, you know, felt for me or nobody really wants to learn how to play the banjo.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you've heard all the jokes.
0: Oh Lord. Yeah. And we'll even go through a couple of them. Um (laughs) But yeah, he gave it back and it's actually in better shape than when my mechanic gave it to me. And so I've tuned it up and I'm starting to plunk around with it again.
1: Oh, so, so. that one didn't get destroyed. I thought you were going to, I thought there was like another crazy story about no, banjo no, destroying. That's no, good.
0: no, And I'm, yeah, I'm still really curious as to what type of like, this might just be one of those banjos that was homemade. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it really, like, none of the stuff on this thing looks like it was made in a factory. Like, you can see the little ball-peen hammer marks around the tone ring um, tighteners.
1: Okay, that's super cool, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's got some history. It it is, it is. And, um, yeah, I I keep this one in a very, very safe place.
1: I was going to say, don't leave home with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's not don't leave home without it it's don't leave home <laughs> exactly. with it if you do invest in a shitload of bubble wrap
1: yeah <laughs> good plan
0: yeah so do you know the difference between um stomping on grapes in a banjo
1: uh i know the trampoline one.
0: Oh, i don't know that one you're Is gonna it- have to tell me that one
1: okay um i don't I don't know. One of them makes wine and the other just makes a disaster. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Fairly close. No. Um, the difference between stomping on grapes and a banjo is that you leave your boots on when you stomp on a banjo.
1: Oh, that's the, that's the same thing. The trampoline jokes, the exact same thing. Ah. what do you? What's the difference between jumping on a trampoline and a banjo? You take your shoes off to jump on the trampoline.
0: The trampoline. Nice. <laughs> How do you get perfect pitch on a banjo? How? when you throw it in a dumpster and you don't hit the rim
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I hadn't heard that one before.
0: Uh there were a few others, but anyway, enough of the banjo, enough of the banjo jokes. Uh I I made some pretty decent money in Europe though playing the banjo. Really? Right? Yeah, when I when I traveled through Europe, um I I bought a train pass. This is in the early early mid 90s. I bought a train pass and um, the Eurorail for a little while and then stayed with with old college friends and then met people and people in Europe or so. um, I don't know about now, but back then it was like they'd invite you somewhere and you take them up on it because they're serious and they put you up, they show you around their hometown, show you all the stuff that's outside of the whole tourist circle and you get such a real feel. Um, for Europe, instead of just being stuck on the little tourist circuit and eating continental breakfasts all the time,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it Which, was a, yeah, it's not my favorite way to travel.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, that's the way most people travel. And it's like yes. you really you're not getting the heart of it by going that route.
1: No, so. no, they totally aren't. Like I love to see how people live, and not you know just how museums and cultural like excursions tell us how they live like I want to really see it
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly I want to go into the the food markets and the and the stands in the side streets uh-huh I want to uh-huh. find a local who's gonna introduce me to the really seedy bars that all yes. the tourists are afraid to go to
1: yes yeah yes that's my kind of traveling
0: yes so I uh I went in I played a little bit in um, Amsterdam N- not a whole lot didn't make a great amount of money there that place is just a little too scuttled a little a little crazy but um, I made a little bit I played in Germany this couple that I was bartending for while I was bartending my way through college I ran into a couple on their honeymoon in Estes Park and they invited me to stay with them in southern Germany. And so I went and stayed with them for a couple of weeks, and they toured me around. Well, it turned out that the husband was a a, a typical looking southern bavarian german uh banker dude, you know a plump guy with yeah. rosy rosy cheeks and a little red nose, you know um always smiling, but he was the lead singer in a hair metal band
1: <laughs> <laughs> no way,
0: yeah. Yeah. And they were doing a, a small concert at like a youth center or something in Stuttgart. And they invited me to come. They, they made me bring my banjo and they had me do a little opening riff, like seven songs on my banjo for them. So here I am in front of all these kids, long-haired, heavy metal German kids, and I'm playing my banjo, <laughs> and there's like all these lights, the heavy metal lights yeah. and smoke machine yeah. coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I'm awesome. Oh my God. I've got, I've, you know, I'm your Colorado kid with blue jeans, uh, flannel shirt, and long hair like I'm a hippie. You yeah. know, back then I just looked like a hippie. And playing a banjo for a bunch of heavy metal kids opening up for a hair metal band in Germany. That's an awesome story. Yeah, that was my... uh. And then when I was in Barcelona, I actually made um, rent for a couple of months playing on the streets of the Paseo de Gracias. And a lot of the Peruvian bands with the pan flutes and stuff, they would invite me to play with them. They loved it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh God, we had such a great time. I made some good friends there. It was, um, I want to live in Barcelona. I would love to live in Barcelona. Yeah. Love that place. It would yeah.
1: be, it would be nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. We just spent the opening talking about banjos and, <laughs> and my treks through Europe when this is actually about you and your music and your new album. So I apologize.
1: No, I, <laughs> I like hearing that you've got some really cool stories. <laughs>
0: Oh man, Th- that's the tame stuff. That's,
1: <laughs> yeah, I I that, can imagine.
0: That's the stuff that's that's gonna that's not gonna prompt anybody to look into my background.
1: <laughs> well, oh. now I'm going to. <laughs> I'm <just laughs> oh
0: <kidding>. shit! <laughs> but as we were mentioning, um, you have just released a recent EP uh, called "If I Could," and um, there there are a few things that are very very. Um, unique compared to your previous albums about this. and you and I have talked a few times and I know why. Um, I have a really good idea why and there's some people out here who haven't heard our, our previous conversation and I think maybe for those folk we should maybe catch them up a little bit. Heather's got a little bit of uh, stories herself. She's been on a few adventures, especially in the past two, three years. So, how about we catch everybody up who's like confused as hell right now? <laughs> and, yeah,
1: yeah, there are probably a few going, huh,
0: huh, right? um, how about you tell us just a real quick um where this all started? you know, a real brief background on some of the other albums, where it all started, where you got into recording, oh man, that's asking a lot of you. How
1: I about, know, I'm like, oh, where do I start? <laughs> How broad questions?
0: So many broad questions. How about we just catch up on your recent adventures down in South America and back up, and yeah, yeah, and the impetus of the book, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. So I spent a year living in Peru, which was amazing, and I wish I was still there. It's like you say, like the people are so so incredible and i miss it a lot and i felt like i was you know more me in that year than i've been in any other year that i've lived um but we ended up coming back my partner jordan and i um basically we ran out of money and we were like one emergency away from not being able to eat or pay rent um so we came back to canada which was you know uh, not my first choice but it's all right and we settled on vancouver island and um, you know things were kind of going along. I've, you know, my my whole all my albums kind of tell a little bit of this story of how I've struggled with my mental health over my lifetime, and um, so it ended up being that things got really bad. Um, I had a major depressive episode that didn't end, and it ended up being I was in recovery when COVID started and I wasn't far enough into recovery. So basically I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't keep myself safe. So I ended up in uh, the hospital in a psychiatric ward during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is when I decided I was going to get well enough to leave the hospital. Like it was kind of my motivation to get well enough to leave the hospital so that I could write a book and tell my story um, to hopefully help other people who are going through something similar or somebody else, you know, their family member, their loved one, whoever might be going through something similar and they don't really know where to turn or where to look for information. Um, So I wrote that book and then I, I hadn't, planned on releasing any more music at all Uh um I I was just kind of done with it like before COVID COVID was kind of a blessing for me in a way because it got me out of like playing a lot of shows like I had this excuse not to because I was pretty fed up with just like how the industry was going and and everything and I wanted a break well a permanent break and um (laughs) It ended up being that while I was writing my book, I got back in touch with a producer friend of mine who he actually played, he was, he is a bass player. He played bass as a session player on my very first album when I was, I guess we recorded it when I was 15. (laughs) So lucky him. He was like the first musician I ever played with, um, (laughs) So that must have been interesting, but we got back in touch and he's had his own struggles over the past number of years. And um, he was just very like frank about my struggles and and really supportive, but, you know, didn't shy away from it, which I really appreciated because a lot of people just don't know what to say or they just try and avoid the topic altogether. Um, yeah. So we ended up staying in touch. He helped me out with the production of my audiobook. And then he was like, you know, things kind of opened up a little bit from COVID last summer. And he was, he lives in Manitoba, which is yeah, 26 hours from here, something like that. Oh God. And, uh, but he wanted to get away, you know, the islands, a super nice tourist destination in the, in the summer. And he was kind of like, well, why don't we, you know, try jamming a bit? Maybe record a couple songs. And I was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, we can jam. Maybe we can record a couple songs. Maybe some cover songs or something. But I don't write songs anymore. Is I what I don't told
0: you. Oh man. So so you're like you're like. Eh. Was there any amount like a tiny little bit of of I owe this guy because he was my you know because he helped you out with the audio book and he was your first session player. Was that kind of like. Mm, I don't want to do it but it's because it's you
1: um I wouldn't say that like I felt like I owed him but probably because it was him just because we'd shared like some of the same experiences and he kind of said you know what like this might help us both on our healing journeys because we you know it's not a straightforward thing you get out of the hospital and and stuff and you don't you know, people treat it like, oh, you're all better now, like you went in to have your arm fixed or something. And and it's, you know, <laughs> mental health is is not a destination, it's a journey. So we have yes. our struggles and he thought that, and I thought that it would be helpful for us to get together. And, you know, what do you do when you get together? When you're two musicians, you play music. So that's what we set out to do.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. So he was the one who really kind of brought this project to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Like he, he's been out of production for a while. So he wanted to get back into producing and I, I don't know, I guess maybe a tiny part of me wanted to be produced, but I wouldn't allow (laughs) myself to, to really think of that. So I was like, sure, we can, you can produce some covers and we'll see like, didn't really plan on releasing anything at all
0: okay oh wow wow yeah. well, damn I'm <laughs> glad you guys did um yeah, me definitely too. glad you did do you think do you think that separation that wall you put up of of I'm done do you think that was do you think that was maybe cutting off kind of saying walking away from a previous life or do you think it was do you think it was, I just got nothing left or do you, or was it more focusing on the book and, uh, and did you have anything else you had in mind?
1: No, there's I think, three
0: questions. right. There. Yeah. Sorry. Let's see.
1: Let's see if I can remember <laughs> all three. Um, I think for me, it was like, it was a big part of my illness. Why I walked away from music because I walked away from everything that I loved. everyone that I loved, I, pushed away you know I wouldn't communicate with anybody I really like walled myself off so I think like music has always been so emotional for me but I was just I was so sick that I couldn't even have that anymore
0: okay yeah because it's so personal and it's there's sounds to me and from what I've heard listening to your music um throughout your albums actually it is incredibly personal. Your music is very personal. So I could see where there's a very thin line yeah. between your music and, and your self-identity.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Okay. And
1: there was just no self-identity left. And I I don't know. I just, I think I felt like I had nothing more to offer to the world at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're talking about um, the industry and the way it was going. Yeah. I, um. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to explore that just a little bit because I'm running into things like I'm trying to get back into my voiceover work. And from the days of when I first started, it, it was all analog and we were sending out demos and, and audition tapes on tape, you know, yeah, set wow. mailing them out or physically dropping them off in studios. And, you know, I started doing voiceover work before the internet. It was... AOL dial-up and whoa yeah I just showed you how old I am <laughs> um, so but there was this there was this process and I got in in the beginnings of of the online stuff and things were pretty cool still I, I adapted well and and I I had a passion for it and everything but then with the pandemic and the and the shutdown and all of a sudden the home studio revolution I think is a wonderful thing don't get me wrong but something switched
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um i don't know maybe it's like the tiktok amateur musician thing um for you know everyone is going to be a musician because they're going to get famous on tiktok and youtube now yeah. uh but there, there's a big thing of like with this great resignation so many of those people who resigned are like now well I was told I have a great voice, so I'm going to start doing voiceovers. I want to do audio books. I'm going to do this. And now it's just this complete world of if I tell somebody I do do voice acting, they look at me like, oh, okay, you might as well say you're a podcaster.
1: Yep, yeah, totally. (laughs) Same with like, oh, I'm a musician. Okay, so you play in your mom's basement. Cool.
0: Cool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, did you play the Super Bowl? Do you know (laughs) Jay-Z? You're not a real musician
1: fuck yeah, exactly
0: so do you see this kind of thing the same way um cuz i i see there there is a great potential for independent production independent musicians and stuff and there was this beautiful glorious time in the early 2000s early mid 2000s where where the internet was still kind of a little bit of a wild west and home production studios were were have gotten, had gotten to that point where they were like affordable and high, high, high quality. Um, Those beautiful days back then. um, And I think, I think your, your bass player friend might agree with me that it's like, Ooh, the potential. But do you think that uh, maybe the industry itself kind of caught whiff of that and started to get their tentacles in there?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know what went wrong really. Um, but I remember like when I started iTunes was like the thing and it, all the musicians were complaining because you made like 67 cents a track or something. Now it's like, Oh my God, I wish I could make 67 cents a track. That's amazing. But like people had kind of stopped um, buying as many CDs. There definitely were still people buying CDs. Um but i think yeah like it became so easy for anybody to make an album in their bedroom not not that that's necessarily a bad thing and and then put it online and i mm-hmm. think i think things got oversaturated and i think i think the music industry somehow needs like a huge correction and then like in live music obviously we haven't had it for a while but even before that i was really kind of noticing i don't know how to explain it but the audiences that i was playing to they were somehow more more distant more removed you know maybe they were like looking at their phones more or you know they could watch people performing live on youtube so it's kind of like well it doesn't it doesn't mean as much anymore it's somehow like less sacred and then yeah I, i don't know about like pay for voice acting but the pay for performing live like really hasn't changed since i started but inflation (laughs) um (laughs) so people were kind of making up for it back in the day by selling merch and now nobody buys merch
0: yeah yeah um and if they do it's like like well i know of a uh, pirate website where i can get that and it's probably made in you know it's probably a pirate version, but I'll get it for two bucks. Yeah, something like that.
1: Exactly. Or I'll go listen to you on Spotify. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Yeah. Thanks. But um, yeah. yeah.
0: I don't get anything for that. Yeah. Right yeah. on.
1: Thanks like for my uh, point. Yeah. Point yeah. two cents. Thank you. My
0: point, my point two cents. If you could just have like 3.6 million of your friends listen to that too. um, I yeah, might make great. rent this month.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I might be able to eat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the more I'm learning about podcasting, it's it's fairly similar thing right there now that this has become like this big genre, I guess. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I started this only because I had been broadcasting um, and doing voice acting for 20-something years. And yeah. when I decided I needed to have an outlet, or Otherwise, I was going to drive myself crazy when this all first started happening. Um, it was like, what do you know how to do? Mm-hmm. I know how to talk on a microphone. I know how to talk to people. Um, and I have a whole bunch of home studio gear that's going to gather dust if I don't do something with it. And i never listen to podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts. Maybe a couple what is it, how it works or something like that, or bet you didn't know. There's one or two podcasts that I've listened to maybe four or five episodes on. Yeah. Um, but it was never my thing. I'm the guy who would rather um, actually pull out some old CDs or I have like five gigabytes of music that I've collected over my my years in radio. And I'll hit that and I'll put it on random. that's how, yeah, that's how I entertain myself when I'm not working. Um, yeah. Or, or keep practicing my banjo. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so I'm, I'm out of the loop, you know, and honestly I I turned 50 years old today. So I'm too. Oh,
1: happy birthday. Oh my God. Not
0: to. I'm sorry, not today. This year, oh, this year. Okay. Well, when you get this old, years go by like they're a day. Like a I'm day.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding, but yeah, I now I'm starting to understand what 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 people in their in their fifties uh, are like. Well, I'm. I'm too old and too busy to really give a fuck what's popular right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the trends and everything. And so I, I am a little out of the loop and stuff. Luckily, I have younger friends to remind me and I have a 17-year-old son to tell me how out of date I'm. <laughs> oh, I'm I am. sure
1: he'll yeah. He'll fill you oh, in. Oh yeah.
0: He, he totally fills me in. But uh, I started getting in and and I'm doing this stuff and and the more I'm like trying to, you know, get the word out and let more people listen and stuff. I start falling into that trap. I better learn how to do this. And you you start going on workshops or you start getting on forums or something like that. And it's like, well, you have to do this, 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 and this. And everyone, I started realizing that there's this huge slew of people that just like the voice acting, the great resignation, I'm just going to make my money doing podcasts Good luck. or I'm <laughs> I'm going to be the next Joe Rogan or yeah, yeah. yeah, And I'm going to monetize my podcast. That's the big thing. And this is what ties back to what you were saying. Um, So these people get on and they decide they're going to monetize their podcast. But what they don't realize is that in order to even get an advertiser or a sponsor interested in you, you have to have like over 50,000 followers and you have to, yeah. And you have to have like, like over a thousand downloads per episode it it's like okay i'm nowhere fucking near those numbers
1: and most people aren't
0: yeah 99 percent of the people the podcasts out there are nowhere near that yeah and that's not really my aim so i just i realized that my pa- podcast is for particular people yeah and I'm not being elitist about this or anything, but my God, dude, it's seizure salad, fuster cluck epilepticus, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty obvious who the fuck I'm talking to.
1: Yeah, you got (laughs) to find your niche. I think that's the big thing right now because everything is so saturated.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I personally am proud of the growth it's gotten throughout the years because I haven't done any kind of extra beyond just posting it up there and sharing it on a page. Uh, beyond that, I haven't done any extra promotion. I haven't paid to put it somewhere. I haven't done any of the trickery that they all tell you you need to do to grow your listenership. Yeah. and to, Because if it if it goes, I want it, I want it to grow organically, and I want people listening to share it with their friends and family and things like that. Now, yeah. now I'll, also, I'll be dead honest. If I actually had the physical energy, and focus to be able to do that, I probably would make more effort. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm still in. I'm still in recovery. I'm still. I'm still dealing. I'm not in a level point in my seizure management, yeah. and I might be going back for brain surgery. In fact, I'm. I'm testing for brain surgery, and this next test is going to be an invasive one.
1: Mm. I
0: did. I, I don't know if I t- told you about this one.
1: I don't think they're going to so. do. A st-
0: Yeah, they're going to do a stereo EEG. Now, being audiophiles and music fans, the whole word stereo sounds like it's going to be badass and fun.
1: Yes.
0: (sighs) Yes. But actually, what they're going to do is they're going to drill two holes into my head.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound like a good stereo.
0: Not a good stereo. No. And they're going to insert what they call depth electrodes into my brain uh, so that they can um, try and pick up deep brain seizure activity. So they they do this and then they keep me in the hospital for anywhere upwards of two weeks. Oh, wow. Take me off my medications and try and get me to seize.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This this is going to be my next rodeo, sister.
1: Oh, my God. Whew.
0: Yeah. So anyway, um, so I'm going through this stuff and so I can't, it's the same reason I can't be like auditioning and doing voiceovers for an eight hour day right now, yeah, you know? Yeah. I can't physically make it through an eight hour day, just doing nothing. I have to take a nap in the afternoon. Um, and until I can get through this phase, um, you know, everything is just, I'm given what I can and I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to give my, myself permission to, to be happy with what I'm putting out.
1: Yeah. And I think that's an awesome place to be in because, you know, our best might not be somebody else's best. Somebody else's best might be just being able to get out of bed in the morning. And that's, that's okay. We got to stop comparing ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we got to stop. Oh, did you hear that? No. Oh, cool. That my microphone's pretty, my directional microphone's pretty well set up then. Oh wait! On um, my headphones are, not, are on. I for a second there, I thought my speakers were on. I had just accidentally hit play on one of your songs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, what was the point of that tangent? We were going somewhere with that, and I just totally turned around there. Um, it's you said something. It's it's comparing ourselves to everyone else, but it's and it's not only that. It's it's trying to put yourself or place yourself into what. I guess you could say everyone else, but I like to think of the system is trying to make you fit into. Yes, like yeah. Um, just based off of what I've heard, I've got this thought. Um, just off of off of the last couple of minutes of, of riffing, is that basically the industry, the music industry, just like the broadcasting industry noticed the freedom of independent broadcasting, independent music. So they dived in there. And if they can't control the, the, the um, artists themselves and the, and the producers themselves, then they controlled the access. Yeah. And they, they changed the rules on what gates you have to go through to get your music out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, in a way, it's easier than ever, but it's also harder than ever. If that makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, they'll, 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 like on Spotify or, or all these, all these record executives and and producers and industry leaders or industry execs. Well, there's more artists out today than ever. There's more podcasts out today than ever. Yeah, there might be, but there's fewer successful ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you ta- are you are you counting the guy who strums a ukulele and does a shuffle on TikTok as an as as a professional artist? I mean, where's the line being drawn now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird world out there right now, I think in the arts.
0: Mhm. And I think it affects you as a musician more than it would affect me. Um Basically, and I don't know, maybe I'm being naive because I'm just jumping into the podcasting thing, but I'm also, I've also naive enough that I've decided I'm going to take my own fucking route and, um, I'm not jumping through the hoops that all these people are. Yeah. And
1: half of it's bullshit. Anyway, it's like nobody has, there's not one single formula for a successful podcast or a successful album release or whatever.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um it, it, you know what? And this this kind of jumps right back into your album. I feel that this has a lot of potential and you know what? Honestly speaking, Heather, in my in my mind, knowing what I know, which is just the surface of the story, but knowing what I know, I think it's a success regardless of how far it goes, um monetarily or in the charts are, are there even fucking charts anymore and,
1: <laughs> I think so but nobody's really on them
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right but i think it's a success already in in a lot of ways i don't know if you would agree with that
1: yeah i think so like i've had that conversation with with jeff um who produced it and and we both kind of feel like it did a lot of good even just for us and then you know it, it helped us heal and hearing the feedback from some other people, how it's helped them, you know, helps us heal even more and gives us purpose to to what we're doing. So yeah, we feel really fortunate and and like it it has been a success because we can listen back to it and both go, you know what, like we all <laughs> we could have been dead, but we're we're here and we made this album. Like, how cool is that?
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it, and the uh, album cover really expresses this greatly too. Um, Jordan did a great job.
1: I will okay. I there's will tell him. there's an
0: east yeah. There's an Easter egg. I'll just open up. I asked <laughs> you in the last interview who did this album cover, and you had told me your partner Jordan created this, and this this is badass because Jordan is also a, a very accomplished musician, but he's also apparently. An incredibly talented um graphic designer as well because yeah. yeah the colors in this and the tones and the way everything works together is amazing um the the picture the picture on the album cover um the way you're standing the tone the look in your face is it envelops, it encapsulates very much of what you were talking about, of what you and Jeff had gone through and what you were talking about it being a success in and of itself. In that I see, I see signs of, there's a little bit of sadness and there's a little bit of slight bit of maybe melancholy, but it's like in the past yeah. almost.
1: Yeah. It's I like an- to think of it as like real realistic optimism.
0: I like that. I like that yeah realistic optimism um and although although there's that hint of that, there's also this tremendous amount of strength in that the way you're standing, the way you're holding your shoulders and your head's still strong and held up, you know you're not you're not slouching down. it's like you just it's like you got out of the tomb. you're like Tomb Raider, you just got out you're waiting for your plane to <laughs> fly down out of the jungles and pull you up and and out onto the next adventure or something you know
1: yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's very much like shit, look what we're look what we've been through and we're still here fighting.
0: yeah, yeah, that's a great way to look at it um and and of course as the the coup de gras on on the feel of that. Is how Jordan was able to apply like a, a noir kind of pulp comic type type of of effect over that photo. Yeah. That's just awesome.
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was we actually just like stood in front of a green screen in in my garage and I froze my ass off because it was the middle of winter and uh, <laughs> we just like took a bunch of pictures and Jeff was still here at that point. We were just finishing um, mixing and. Um, Yeah, we just took a bunch of pictures and that actually kind of worked out, so.
0: Sweet, sweet. And actually, I just realized, and it took me like a while because I was looking at it last time we were talking too, those aren't jungle trees, those are pine trees in the background.
1: Yeah, that's here on Vancouver Island.
0: Yeah, duh, Pacific (laughs) Northwest. Fucking Micah, (laughs)
1: jeez. Jungle trees, I like that though.
0: Well, well, I was taken. I I was really captivated by his use of um, the colors and the vibe of the album title. If I could at the bottom there, it really reminds me of like the dubstep reggae albums, like Alba Rosie or some of Peter Tosh's like stuff from the eighties and and later nineties. Almost a disco reggae vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, that kind of look is like really coming back.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, excellent use of it. So, it's just so it gives me this like reggae island feel and the way your your name in the top with the clouds and it's just the the sunlight rays coming down. It's such a great use of angles and geometry intermixed with nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. The more I'm looking at it, the more I'm like This is badass. (laughs) All right.
1: We we felt kind of badass.
0: (laughs) Good. As well you should. As well you should. So Jeff was just wrapping this up. Was this like the last thing you guys did? Um, Obviously, you guys are wrapping up the production. EP, musically wise, is is right there. And Jordan and you were working on the album cover then.
1: Yeah, pretty much. We were just kind of wrapping up mixing, I think, at the time that we did that photo shoot.
0: So this was when the the storm, was this January then when the storm was, when you said it was snowing like a motherfucker out there?
1: It was, it would have been like close to the end of December, which like it snowed from like December, January. It was freezing for like a month here. It was bizarre. Wow.
0: Um, I must say, I have to put an asterisk there. I I, I have to amend my statement. She didn't technically say snowing like a motherfucker. Those were my words. (laughs) I was just paraphrasing that. She doesn't have nearly the sailor's mouth that I do. I just wanted to let our listeners know.
1: Oh, I I kind of do. I just kind of try and keep it in check a little bit.
0: (laughs) That's very kind of you. We appreciate that because we have such sensitive ears here. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm sure. um yeah the the album cover is definitely really really cool and what's really striking about it what struck what struck me about it most is because it's in such contrast to your previous albums yeah um the album the songs too but we'll get into that a little bit um but your other album covers are pictures of you and pictures of nature well the 2005 one is you on the phone yeah um a Polaroid with you on the phone, which is actually pretty fucking cool too, but you you go from this very realistic and very natural kind of you know boom to this edginess mm-hmm. like I thought I was gonna open up and hit play, and it was gonna be like like Juliet and the licks or <laughs> or 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 is this gonna be like is gonna? Am I gonna hear Jet screaming out of the, the speakers here? <laughs> Half of me was thinking that.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> but but it did it did the the album cover had this little edge to it, and when I hit play, um, it wasn't Jet. It it you know it wasn't it wasn't quite that, but it definitely was. Different than your previous um, albums, and it definitely had more edginess to it than before. Mm-hmm. Um, where did this come from? Heather?
1: Hello? That was weird. Hello.
0: That was mm-hmm. really weird.
1: Hmm.
0: Now I can hear you.
1: Weird. Weird.
0: <laughs> we had a silent moment there. So did did you where did we leave off? Where did I drop out?
1: Uh you were expecting to hear something oh you said it's it's a lot different than my previous albums